This is the Lost Mountain Baptist Church podcast. We exist to help all kinds of people find and follow Jesus. For more information about service times, giving, and upcoming events, check out our website, lmbc.us. We hope you enjoy this week's message. This, this morning, we come to the end of the series that we've been in, entitled It's All About the Gospel. Next week, uh, we kick off Advent that will lead us up to, uh, up to Christmas. We'll say a little bit more about that uh, in a minute. Also, next Sunday evening, um, no, that's wrong. Some Sunday evening is the Christmas choir special. Maybe they can put that behind the screen so I can actually get the date right. Um, yeah, somebody knows when that is. There we go. Thank you guys. They're more prepared than I am. So that is Sunday, December 12th. So like three weeks from today, two weeks from today, you guys do the math. Um, plan on being here for that. It's going to be a great night together. So we really encourage you um, to be here for that, even if I can remember the date off the top of my head. So um, that's coming up. But we've talked over the last weeks about the wider sense, the fuller sense of the gospel. We talked about the truth that the gospel is incarnational. We saw a picture of that this morning, all right? That, that God uses some mysterious mix, almost always without exception, of his word and his people to make the gospel real in the lives of men and women, of children. We saw people who'd worked with Peyton. We saw women who've been on a week in and week out journey with Amanda, digging in, being vulnerable, confessing struggles and sin, sharing broken places in their lives. We talked about how the gospel is holistic. It doesn't just speak to part of us. It doesn't just speak to some spiritual aspect of who we are. It speaks to everything that we are and all domains of society. We talked about last week how the gospel is transformational. We looked at that through the life of Peter, and hopefully you were encouraged that if God wouldn't give up on Peter, he's probably not going to give up on you, right? And this morning, we're going to talk about the gospel, the fact that the gospel is received. The gospel is received. It is not earned. It is not fought for. It is not acquired um, by some human means. It is received. You know, the last couple of years, we've talked about this here several times, the, the last couple of years have been really eye-opening in the church in America. It's been uh, a, a real time of sifting where we've seen a, a lot of the reality of what is really central in the hearts of men and women who've been confessing Jesus and going to church. But when the political temperatures turn way up, when COVID hits, what has risen to the top has been the functional Savior and Lord in people's lives. It's either been Jesus Christ, His glory, and His person, or it's been some political party or candidate or theory, or anything in between. And we've seen families get sideways and individuals get sideways with one another. Churches get sideways with groups within it. It's been crazy. It's been crazy and Part of the reason it has been like that, I submit to you, is that we have, especially in the Bible Belt, where I'm from, here, I mean, all throughout the Bible Belt, the Midwest and the South, we have vast swaths of people who've been sitting in our churches for years and sometimes decades who have heard a partial gospel message, who have understood a partial gospel message, 
and who have accepted a partial gospel message and who decade after decade have largely been unchanged, unchanged, so that when true national and international crisis hit, we saw something that was just staggering to so many of us. Let's look in Colossians chapter 2. Let's look in Colossians chapter 2. Because I think Paul has a word, or God rather, a word through Paul to the church at Colossae that speaks to us today about the reality that the gospel is received as gift, as calling, and as commission. The gospel is received as gift, as calling, and as commission. And only when it is received that way, in its fullness, are you and I deeply rooted, built up, and standing firm in the person and work of Jesus Christ so that when calamity comes, whether it's personal, family, national, international, whatever it is, we're already solid in faith and our eyes go up to Jesus, not out to some superficial solution for our problems. We're gonna read verses six through 15, verses six through 15 of Colossians 2. Uh, this morning, and then we'll center ourselves uh, primarily on the first few verses. We're probably going to do a series all the way through the book of Colossians this next year, so I wanted to hold off from unpacking all of these verses. We'll uh, dive deeply into the first few, but I want you to see them in their wider context. Now, before we start with verse 6, Paul has been talking doctrinally about who Jesus Christ is, what God has done in and through him, and in verse 5, he reminds the Colossians that though he's absent from them in person, in bodily form, he's with them in spirit, and, and he's delighted to see, to see how disciplined they are and how firm their faith in Jesus Christ is, because they're, they're wavering a bit, they're struggling, there's been some false teaching and ideologies and philosophies creeping in. Let's start with verse 6 now. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Don't miss that. He forgave us all our sins. That's past, present, and future. We've mentioned this before, but friends, it has to be that way. Because how many of your sins in this room this morning were future sins when Christ was crucified on the cross 2,000 years ago? All of them. All of them. 14, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, 
which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Let me pray real quick for us. God, open your word to us this morning. Speak to us. God, help us who've heard so much about the gospel, so many of us, for so many years, have spiritually sensitive hearts and ears this morning. God, give us eyes to see. Father, speak to us and through us in ways that only you can do. I pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. All right, when we look at what Paul's saying here, what you see here, if you look at verses 8 through 15, is that there have been some, some wolves uh, that have crept into the church in Colossae, and they're teaching things that aren't true. They sound almost true, right? Uh, this is always the deception of heresy, is that it, it has the ring of truth to it. We don't typically believe things that just sound ridiculous. Well, historically, people have not believed things that just sounded offhand ridiculous. We're led astray by believing things that sound close to the truth, but they're not the truth. And this was going on among the Colossians. And Paul's antidote for them, who've been blown this way and that way and up and down, in a synchronistic society where all kinds of, of pagan religious worships and uh, worshiping and idols and philosophies and human traditions were creeping into and discoloring the gospel, Paul's antidote, his solution, his prescription for them is to continue in Jesus as they received him. Let's look at this back in verse 6. We talked about the fact that the gospel is received first as a gift. First as a gift. Most of us are familiar a bit with this, but it is so counterintuitive to everything else in our life that has to be earned and maintained by human performance that you cannot say it enough. The great powerful words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 6.23 where he says, the wages of sin is what? Death. What your sin has earned you, what my sin has earned me, my rebelliousness pettiness, desire to be my own God, to make my own decisions, to take this of Jesus and reject that of Jesus, what that has earned me and what it has earned you is your death. Physically, spiritually, eternally. Paul says that, that your sin has alienated you from God. There's this massive barrier that only the gospel breaks down. He says that not only are the wages of sin death, he says, but, but the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Gifts are received. The very nature of a gift is that it's received and not earned. Is that not true? How would you feel if you worked all week or two weeks or all month, however you're paid, you did your work cycle, and then your boss comes by and says, did you like the gift of your paycheck? Wasn't that gracious of me? How generous am I? You'd say, that was not a gift, my friend. I earned that. I worked for it. A gift by its very nature is received. It requires humility. Requires humility. Have you ever been given a gift that was so large, it was so immense, that, that the very fact that you'd been given the gift was humbling to you. Across our years in ministry, there have been a few times 
um, where Shannon and I were gifted something by gracious church members that was so significant, it was immediately humbling. And when given freely with no strings attached, it most certainly creates a sense of love and appreciation for the giver. We know what it's like to be given a gift, but every religion and every philosophy in the world says, this is what you must do to be right with God or to achieve some kind of existential peace and being. Only the gospel says, this is what God has done. The gospel is an announcement historically of something that's taken place. This is what God has done to make you right before him. And you have to do something with it. Jesus' claims are way too bold about himself for you to sit neutral. The gospel is received as a gift. This is exactly, in this receiving language that Paul uses here, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, he is consistent with throughout his writings. But he goes further because the gospel isn't just received as a gift, church. It's received as a calling. It's received as a calling to follow Jesus. Look at the rest of verse six. He says, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. This phrase is so significant throughout the New Testament. When you and I come to faith in Christ by God's grace, we are in Christ, held by Christ, safe in Christ, carried in Christ, sanctified in Christ. Paul says, as you've received Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. It's a day in, day out, week in, week out, pursuing a grace-driven pursuit of Jesus Christ, of receiving grace from him. Day in and day out, walking with him, submitting to him, praying to him, listening for his voice, confessing sin. Listen, you no more are in control of your sanctification than you are in control of your salvation. Now, God's not going to do that. We say this over and over. He won't do that apart from your cooperation. We talked about that last week. But you can't sanctify yourself. How does that work for those of you that have really tried? I mean, if any of you ever had that big moment, right, where you're like, never again will I do this thing. Never again will I say these words. And it didn't go well for you. We can't sanctify ourselves. But this calling to follow, to be in Jesus and with Jesus is so consistent that part of the, the um the lack of joy and the disgruntledness that, that so many have who profess faith in Jesus but look so little like him is the fact that they've been trying to earn something for so long after receiving what can only be received, right? And your life in Christ as you grow in him is a gift he gives you as he changes you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Part of what I loved about Amanda's testimony there was the truth that she's just willing to say, man, I, I feel like I, I came to faith at a certain age, at least as I understood at that age, and then somewhere across the years, I really got to trying to work real hard to do all the right things and be the right persons and not say these words and say these words and, and do all that. That's exhausting. 
That's exhausting. The gospel is not come to Jesus Christ by the grace of God through faith in Christ and then work real hard. But I am telling you, that is what we have heard as the gospel. That's how we've understood it for decades and decades throughout the Bible Belt. And it has made largely untethered, untransformed, grumpy people. Not everybody, right? So if you're joyful, don't don't be getting your feathers ruffled. People know if you're joyful. But I'm talking about the large culture that exists in churches where there is no perceptible energy or joy. There's no perceptible transformation. And we saw that with the, with the curtains pulled back over the last year or two. What's a, what, I, what I loved about that particular story is you look at guys like Luther and Calvin, they weren't only discussing the things of God, they were teaching and writing commentaries before they really had a massive life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ through the gospel before they really understood the gospel and something happened in their lives that changed them forever, forever. The gospel is received. The gospel is a calling though. Here's what's amazing. I was reading an article this week, uh, John Kostler wrote. He's an author, a professor at um, at uh, Wesleyan Theological Seminary. And in this article called, Can You Repeat That in Christianity Today This Month?, Koster wrote this. He said, we don't need new words from God so much as we need old ones spoken over and over again. We need the old words of the gospel, the true orthodox basic Christian doctrines spoken over us again and again and again because they lead by the power of the Holy Spirit to personal transformation and corporate unity. Corporate unity. He went on to say in this article, he said, uh, any call, this won't be up on the screen, so just listen. Any call for unity based upon agreement with truth is a hard sell these days. The widely accepted truth of modernity is that people curate their individual truth. We accept or reject truths, quote unquote, based on how we feel about them. If one makes us comfortable, we accept it. If not, we regard it as false, right? And, and, and the, the intellectual minds behind social media and much of cable news and mainstream news, they figured this out. They have figured out and, and, and are guiding us through algorithms to notice what we comment positively on and what we click on and what we hard on and what we like to give us then more of that so that we're so certain that we're right and our neighbor's an idiot, And they feel the same way about you because their social media is telling them the same thing as well. It's just crazy. And Paul would say, all of this this stuff, he says in verse eight, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. He's saying through teaching that can't deliver what it promises. This promises to make your life right. This promises to help you out. And Paul's saying it can't deliver. It depends on human tradition, verse eight. And, don't miss this, not only human tradition, but the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. He's saying there are principalities and powers, which we saw at the end, Christ has disarmed and made a public spectacle of on the the cross. But Paul is saying they they are still in God's sovereign timing allowed to, to be operative in the world. And there are forces and realities that you and I can't see that are behind all of these ideas and ideologies and philosophies that you and I are buying into in spades rather 
than the gospel. Rather than the gospel. Let me give you just a real quick example of this. Um, I listened to an interview earlier in the week, this week by a prominent Georgia pastor of a large church. And um, he was talking about navigating the last 24 months of, of COVID and politics and all of that. And he was saying, you know, we like all churches see members come, we see them go. We have people leave the church at times for various reasons. He said, never have we seen a large group just leave like we saw over the last year. He said, now some just left because they were always around the periphery of the church, but never rooted in the gospel, right? So when the habit was broken, they, they were gone because that's all that was, was just part of a habit or, or a rhythm in their life. Um, it, it was not rooted. Uh, you know, some had to stay home out, out of fear or, or whatever, but we lost a large swath, uh, swath, he said, because when we decided to, to go online instead of meeting in person, like almost all churches did um, last year, they, they perceived that as a political stance. How crazy is that? Happened here, happened in churches everywhere because everything has been so politicized. We're drinking stuff in and we're, we're operating out of these ideologies and philosophies instead of the fullness of the gospel, right? I remember when uh, we, I mean, I think you, you guys had already, um, had already shut down when, when I got here and we were coming back, but uh, I was talking with the leadership board and we were discussing how do we come back? COVID was still pretty hot then. We're like, well, let's, you know, let's require masks here, but not there, and let's just ask people. And I wrote a little uh, e-news article about um, how wearing a mask when you're in gatherings at that time, to the best that we can understand, is just one of the ways that, that we love one another. Uh, what a storm, right? Um, I remember one of the emails I got by a now-departed uh, former member said, uh, you're making something spiritual that's practical. Can I just tell you, there, there's no such separation. You and I can't do anything practical that doesn't have spiritual implications to it, right? But I think a large reason that this has happened over the last couple of years and continues to happen uh, so much is that we have, we have heard a partial gospel. We have understood a partial gospel. And we have accepted a partial gospel. It hasn't taken over our, our identity so that our worldview is shaped by that not by being this or that political party, not by being an American, not by being a man or a woman, not by being a successful businessman or a blue-collar worker that we lean into, but an identity shaped by Christ. It's not just received as gift and calling, though. Lastly, it's received as commission. You're not simply baptized into the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, meaning that uh, you now have received new life in him. You're baptized into his way of life and his mission. That's part of what we see in baptism. That's part of what we celebrate when we do communion. When Paul writes here in verse seven, that you and I are to, to live in Christ as we've received him and continue that kind of life. And then he says, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Strengthen in the faith as you were taught is this picture of, of getting deeper and deeper and being rooted in and strengthened up by Orthodox Christian doctrine, the true teaching of God. And that happens in our lives that you and I might bear fruit worthy 
of God. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, many of you will know. Uh, and what's amazing is we have a tendency to separate like discipleship and evangelism. I hear that talk sometimes like, we, we need more discipleship. We, we need more evangelism. The truth is you can't separate those. You cannot. The evangelistic call is to create disciples. And it is given to disciples because they are to be living evangelistically. Where disciples are not living evangelistically, you are not making disciples. It doesn't matter how many classes you have. It doesn't matter how many Bible studies we're doing. Living evangelistically is part of what it means to be a disciple. Don't confuse yourself. And the call to evangelism is not to produce converts. It is to make disciples. You remember what Jesus says right after that? He says, teaching them what? All that I have commanded you. You don't come to Christ and then sit down and go, whoo, can't wait for heaven one day, but I got things to do right now. When you receive the gospel as a gift, you receive it as a calling, you receive it as a commission to begin to understand the world as Jesus understood it and to live into his mission. In Mark 11 and Matthew chapter 12, Jesus makes a startling statement where he says, anyone, anyone who is not with me is against me. Now that's a very, very countercultural thing to say today, that you can't be neutral. You can't just dig Jesus as a, as a good dude and like the Sermon on the Mount and also like this. And all. Jesus said, if you're not with me, you're against me. And then he clarifies, if, you, if you're not gathering with me, you're scattering. And what Jesus is saying is this, you're, you don't get to control yourself. You're either controlled by the spiritual forces and principalities of this world, or you're controlled by the Spirit of God in Christ. So we're either gathering with Jesus or we're scattering by our words, by the way that we live, by our values, by our countenance and our demeanor, by the way we are at home, by the choices that we make with our money, and so on and so forth. We see this not just in the Great Commission, this connection, but we see it also in Ephesians 2. You remember where Paul says that it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and that is a gift of God itself lest anyone should boast. Well, if you continue reading there, often we stop right there. Verse 10 says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus, in Christo. You hear that again and again and again. To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. Now, this is not just good stuff like you, you give a meal to someone who's hungry. I mean, that's legit, right? But you can do that without having been saved. Could we agree on that? You can support charities. You can give meals to people that are hungry. You can give clothes to closed closets without being saved. There's something uniquely spiritual about the handiwork and the good works that Paul is referring to here, saying that God has created us beforehand to do these things. Even Scripture itself, we see a passage like 2 Timothy chapter 3, where we are familiar with the verse like 16, that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. But verse 17 says, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped in every good work. Even the study of Scripture itself is fruitless if you are not being equipped by that to do good works in Christ Jesus. That is what it is for. That is what it is for. The gospel is received as a gift. 
It is received as a calling to lifelong devotion and discipleship to follow Jesus, to have your worldview and the way that you think about everything shaped by him. What does Jesus think about this? What does Jesus say about this? Paul says part of the reason that's true is because in him, in him, all the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. We talked about this a lot over the last couple of weeks at LM Institute in the classes on Wednesday and Sunday. You want to know what God is like? You look at Jesus. You want to know what God thinks? You look at Jesus. You want to know how God relates to people? You look at Jesus. You want to know what God thinks about any specific subject? You look at Jesus. Curious what God thinks about you? How he would react to you? What he thinks about maybe your brokenness or bad decisions? Look at Jesus. Look at the way he relates to people. Hear him say both, I forgive you. You're restored. Now follow me and leave the life and the pattern of sin behind. As the band makes their way back up here and we uh, prepare to respond to God and to reflect on the truth of God's word that we see in Colossians chapter 2, I want to challenge you to think about how you understand the gospel. Is the gospel simply something you believe a sentence or two, maybe the Romans road that that gets you from this state to this state? Or is it all-encompassing? Is it incarnational, holistic, transformational, received as a gift, a calling, and a commission so that in and through Jesus Christ, God begins to shape how you understand marriage, how you understand human sexuality, how you understand different races, how you understand all the domains of life. As we prepare to sing and prepare to respond, my hope for you is that you'll be growing and I'll be growing and all of us will be growing together week in and week out in the gospel. Because if we are, God's power is going to be flowing not only in us, to transform us and set us free from strongholds and sin in our lives, but through us to the other people in our household. Can, can we agree? It's hard to be Jesus-y at home sometimes. I guess that's just me. I'll say for me, sometimes it's hard to shine like Jesus at, at home, Right? But our home's the first place we should be carrying Jesus, where we should be giving grace, asking for forgiveness, confessing sin, not just in our home, on our streets, our places of work, places where we frequent recreation or business, just loving people, bearing the fruit of the Spirit by God's grace. Let's stand and pray together. Thanks so much for joining us online at the Lost Mountain Baptist Church podcast. For more information about service times, giving, and upcoming events, check out our website, lmbc.us.